Everybody, welcome to episode 35 of the Social Screenwriters Podcast. I am your host, Andy Compton, and today on the show we have a very special guest. His name is Sam Watson. You may know him as Sam B. Wright, W-R-I-T-E, on Twitter, which we're still going to call Twitter. Um, I don't care what happened, it's Twitter. And um, yeah, Sam is a screenwriter who recently was signed to a manager. So that's pretty cool, and one of the reasons I brought him on the show, but also I brought him on because we've been friendly on the internet for like three years or so, and he is a good guy, very friendly and funny and silly and cool. Um, It was really fun talking to him, and in this episode, you'll hear me talk about being a little sick. I think I say I have a little cold, and I don't know where I got it. Turned out that was COVID. That was my first time with COVID. Um, I caught it at a wedding because my day job is doing videography at weddings. So it's a dangerous job where you're around a lot of people. Weirdly, you know, three years in, I never got COVID until this. I was feeling weirdly safe and weirdly cocky. And I mean, we've reached a point in this pandemic where, you know, masks are less and less common and you don't hear as much about people getting COVID until now. It's kind of on the rise again. But, um, you know, I thought I was safe and it got me. I, I actually do pretty good in this podcast as far as energy and seeming okay. But when we got off the podcast, I ate some dinner a couple hours later. And after that, I just crashed. I felt so bad so suddenly. And the next morning I woke up and it was full blown. I had like 103.2 fever. Um, it was really bad. And, uh, but I got through it and it sucked. And now I guess I don't have to worry about it for a little bit. I'm probably going to get another booster. So actually I did record this. God, when was that? The beginning of August probably. And yeah, probably like August 2nd or something like that. And it's just been sitting here waiting to be edited. Not only did I get COVID, but then when I got better, I was racing the clock to get, Pre-production done on a short film that we just shot last weekend that's called Phantasmic, and I'm having like long COVID brain fog right now. <laughs> uh, we shot a film called Phantasmic for three days in Festus, Missouri that went really well, and I'm super excited about it. It's a short horror film that you'll learn more about soon, uh, but that's going into post-production now, but I was racing the clock on that, and then I'm also... Already entering pre-production on one that we're shooting in October called Nonstop that I posted about a while back that we had to push back um, because our location where we were going to shoot in July doesn't have air conditioning. And that would be a big problem in Midwest summertime. It would have been the weekend that we were going to shoot already came and went in July. And I think it was like 102 degrees or something like it was insane. So it would have sucked and we probably couldn't have even done it. Uh, with no air conditioning. So it was for the best, but that's where I've been. I've been really busy on this short film grind. I'm really just trying to get my directing chops um, as good as I can get them. You know what I mean? Because like in the near future, you know, I kind of want it to be feature time and I'll direct a feature. 
but that's where I've been. I apologize for being gone for so long. Uh, coming back with a great episode with Sam, and I don't have a next guest lined up, but I'm going to find someone soon. Going to try to get back on the grind with this, but, um, you know, when I disappear, it's usually because I'm out, you know, chasing the dream myself and feeling stressed out. But anyway, guys, um, you know, if you like what you hear in this episode, please uh, shout us out on Twitter or Instagram and tag us up at Social Writer Pod. I love hearing the feedback. Um, do that. And also, you know, if you feel the urge to donate, I spent all my money on my last short film, so I wouldn't say no. Uh, if you want to donate, you can go to my bio in the social screenwriters, Instagram or Twitter. And there's a donate link. It's through PayPal. It's all legit. And I would really appreciate that if you wanted to. Uh, if not, that's okay. I still hope you really enjoy the episode. Guys, I think that's it. Let's go ahead and hop into this episode with Sam Watson. Sam Watson, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Andy Compton. Of course, of course. So you have some exciting news that we'll get to in a second. But first, a new thing I'm doing that I just started is I like to really make my uh, my guest cringe a little bit. First thing when they come on the show, I like to read their bio to them. <laughs> and uh, every writer loves that. So uh, let me go ahead and start with yours. And I'm just going to put it in third person. Uh, Sam is a black, biracial, Ukrainian-American television writer whose identity is a patchwork of pierogies, collard greens, and a whole lot of messiness. Writing about identity and the strain and expectations that society puts on our identities is really important to him, as well as writing about how trauma informs our actions and how oppressive systems shape our identities are staples of his work. Um, and Sam's goal is to staff on a television show. Um so that said, you know, before we go back in time, I will say the reason I wanted to bring you on is that you recently announced some big news, and that is that you signed with a literary manager. I did, yeah. Awesome. It's a um, nice feeling. <laughs> for sure, yeah. So where did you sign? Uh, logical Talent Management. Okay, awesome. Cool. Um, and how did that come about? Well, after years of being like oh i don't do well in contests i don't do well in contests you know mm -hmm. um one of my newer pilots won in one its category in a contest mm -hmm. um the sci-fi fantasy category and my manager found um found it through that so he like he like he like saw that i won that i guess he liked the sound of my the the premise of my script and that's how he found me <laughs> nice um what contest was it it was the unique smaller contest it was the unique oops, sorry my computer is telling me should we do an update right now oh later. <laughs> yeah can you postpone it oh yeah yeah totally <laughs> okay totally. cool cool i was so worried about that too i was like it's gonna re my whole computer is gonna restart in the middle of this yeah perfect timing but uh, it was yeah. it was a unique screen unique voices screenwriters contest. I've seen that one around. Was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, that's awesome. And then what script was it? My one hour pilot, Magical Negro. Uh huh. And could you give like a log line of that real quick off the top okay. of your head? Can I put you on the spot again? <laughs> Can I do it off the top of my head, or do I have it on my computer at this moment? Oh. <laughs> Sam is prepared. All right. Yeah. And your computer just shuts down. Uh, <laughs> Let's see. In in pre-Civil War Philadelphia, 
a rebellious black man who is who is a personified good luck charm, runs afoul of powerful city officials, and must survive the bullet riddle consequences if his thriving black community is too persistent. Awesome, and that is a drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a one-hour drama fantasy pilot. Yeah, cool. That's super unique. Um, yeah, I would I would not be surprised too if that's what your manager really saw. I mean, I'm sure the writing is good too, but like really unique concept, kind of out of the box. I wouldn't. I mean, we all know what like the magical Negro trope is, right? Uh, I don't. I'm very dumb though. So oh, yeah, yeah, please, please uh, fill me in. It's it's whenever you have like a black character who is really only there to give guidance or like help oh, yeah. the main white character. You know? Okay. Yeah, I'm thinking about Happy Gilmore right away, which is a movie I love. But yeah, that sounds like yeah. that's what that is. Yeah. I mean, like ninety percent of movies with black people in them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that you bring it up, a million are flooding into my mind. So yeah. uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I wanted to take that and make it literal, mm-hmm. you know, and really oh, make him a super cool. But, and I find this, like, I keep, I keep doing this. Mm-hmm. I, when I first started getting into the whole screenwriting thing, mm-hmm. I was 100% sure I was going to be just writing comedy, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like just comedy. Yeah. Um, like TV comedy. Yeah. 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 Like mm-hmm. the very first, like good script i i ever wrote was like a community spec oh cool you know, that, that, that was like the first time i was like oh this is actually like good you know yeah so magical negro i was like oh i can do that as like a satire i'll, I'll mm-hmm. write a satire comedy um yeah. and i have another script like that too where it was like i'm gonna do this premise as a satire comedy mm-hmm. but then the more like i got into it the more i got into it it was like Nah, genre, you know, supernatural kind of genre and one hour drama. <laughs> that's yeah. what keeps happening to me. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, well, I mean, the last uh, short film I did, Capture, is kind of like I did the same thing. Like, I want to make a satire comedy of like Black Mirror, basically. Um, so I relate like almost anything I do when I want to dip my toes into a different genre it always kind of ends up being sat satirical comedy, like sort of poking fun <laughs> at the genre tropes and everything. Uh, so I get it. Yeah. I have that comedic urge in me too, to always, and sometimes I have to really stop myself and be like, just write it genuinely, write it yeah. serious. It's almost like for me, uh, just speaking for myself, it's like a part of me uh, is like afraid to put myself out there in a serious way. So I have to kind of like let people know that I'm not being serious and I'm making fun of it. It's something I've done my entire life. Like it's a defense mechanism. Like if I make fun of myself first, then you guys can't judge me. It's like always put in a laughy face emoji at the end of everything you say. <laughs> yeah. Winking yeah. at the audience. Yeah. Totally. And, um, yeah. And and it's not like, so like usually my tone is, you know, when I write like, like Magical Negroes, like one hour drama but like there's funny stuff in it you know mm-hmm. like like yeah. so i still like can't like it's a that comedic bone you know is still there and like i just really like adding comedy into into stuff yeah but also congrats on captcha too oh Maybe thank you very much stuff. 
Thank you. Yeah, yeah. For uh, the audience, we're recording this the Monday morning after uh, we won a few festival awards at our local little film festival. And uh, yeah, it's super fun day. I'm wondering when I caught this little cold that I got. If it was last night at the festival, but also on Saturday, I worked a wedding with a buddy who was mm. under the weather. And I'm kind of th- and we were kissing. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, I, but no, I, just... I did it too. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Everyone's going to. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, but I'm wondering if it happened Saturday and it just took a full 24 hours to hit me or if it was indeed last night when I was in a theater with a bunch of people. I am really feeling relieved. I know COVID isn't totally extinct yet, but um, not having that just crippling fear of going to a theater with a bunch of people um, and just yeah. probably going to be OK. Um, but yeah, weird, weird times. And man, for the last three years, any like tickle in my throat or slight bit of chest congestion i've been like oh god oh god i need to go take a test <laughs> andy i am still like that i am yeah. uh still like that i i've i've been trying to dip my toe into like not having that anxiety while going to the movies you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like all three times last week i went to two indie theaters so like smaller theaters you know not like a large theater or anything like that Sure. the second time I went, I went to go see Vertical for the first time. It was mm. really cool, like watching on the big screen, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, but like I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there like without like my mask on. Cause like literally no one has a mask on, yep. you know? I'm always yep. usually like the only person in the theater still. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, it's okay. And then about like 20 minutes in, I finished my popcorn. And I'm just like, you know, math is going on. It's just, it's, it's my anxiety. Yeah, no, I don't blame you at all. Uh, but anyway, so before we get too off course, let's get back to the screenwriting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's great. So you signed with a manager uh, on the back of this contest for a pilot. Um, I do want to know, and we'll talk more about that later, because I just want to talk about like how it how would, how the early conversation went and stuff. But first, I do want to jump back to the very beginning of your journey here and say, Sam, how did you get into screenwriting? All right, let's go back to the beginning. Yeah. Um, I will say, I know a lot of people say this, but like I've always been a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, my earliest memories of writing anything was like second grade. And I'm writing like little sequels to like my favorite Goosebumps books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. yeah um so yeah so very early on a lot of writing i was always like the kid writing short stories writing poetry stuff like mm-hmm. that um it wasn't until buffy when mm-hmm. i was like in grade school watching buffy where i remember having my first thoughts of like oh like like somebody like wrote this you know what i yeah. mean like 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 oh like you could grow up one day and like write something on tv you know mm-hmm. um buffy and then weirdly i was thinking about this recently weirdly latin i in in high school i had mm-hmm. to take um we took latin every year the, the mm-hmm. high school that i went to and um learning latin the way it works it's so like visual and in terms of like it, it's like putting a puzzle together the way the way you move like the words around verbs adverbs adjectives all of it you know mm-hmm. and we we dug into poetry and stuff like that so like i was really good at latin because it just felt so visual to me 
Yeah. And I weirdly like credit like Buffy and learning Latin as like mm. me getting used to the idea of like being a visual writer. Yeah. You know, for yeah. for, for television. Sure. Uh, fast forward to that, I, I graduated Temple with like a communications journalism degree. You know, mm-hmm. so like my my college, they had a film program, mm-hmm. but like but like all technical stuff, uh-huh. you know, there was nothing for writing, you mm-hmm. know? So like the only thing I could think of like writing journalism, you know, yeah. you're, you're actually joining a, a big crowd of us who come on the show. I don't know if you know that who are all yeah. journalism majors or aspiring at one point to be journalists. So yeah. And then turn screenwriters. Uh, I've been hearing that on the, on, on, on the podcast and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. relatable. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was cool. Like, like I took like technical classes, like I learned how to like edit and I took like a TV production class where I got to do like light writing, like writing sketches that we would like shoot like in our class and then stuff like that. Yeah. Cool. But, but nothing like screenwriting, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I graduate. I had the distinct pleasure of graduating in 2009 mm-hmm. when the um, recession hit. And it was very hard finding a job as a yes. journalist <laughs> at that yes. time. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I did some like light freelancing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, very light freelancing, wrote something for like one of our major pa- papers here in Philly. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I just had like my boring like office job. And mm-hmm. it's actually kind of cool to be like doing a podcast because it was, Honestly, it was like the nerdest at that time, the nerdest writers panel podcast. You know, mm-hmm. like I listened to like all the time during my job. And oh wow! Was, so you were on the podcast stuff early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Com- Comedy Bang Bang. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Right? Scott Ackerman. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't get into podcasts until much later. That's but I I I know some of the lore about like the original podcast. Yeah. So like yeah, I know Nerdist was huge and yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And so, like, listening to that, like, because I, I wrote, like, many scripts on my own time, like, like little comedy shit and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it was, like, listening to that where it was just, like, fuck, like, t- like I really want to take this, like, very seriously, mm-hmm. you know? So that, so that when it was, like, I'm going to throw everything into, like, being a screenwriter. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not a journalist, you know what I mean? Like, like it's yeah. just the the screenwriting mindset and, and, then, what, and then, what what year was that that you decided that 2013 okay like so that? you'd had a few years to like try to make your degree work yeah and it just wasn't gonna work yeah 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 okay i get it yeah so cool it's a pivot plan yeah you yeah. get real tired of writing cover letters and hundreds of resumes and shit oh. I can't even imagine. Yeah. And like, you know, the the thing that made me shy away from journalism, uh, luckily I did it while I was still in school, but, um, and I was a little older, I was like 27, 28. Um, but I probably wouldn't have made that decision if I was younger, but just thinking about like having to get a job because you need to eat and getting a job at a publication where you were, you know, assigned stories that maybe you don't exactly align with like your personal yeah. beliefs but needing to write to a certain bias and stuff that was the kind of stuff that turned me away and i think as screenwriters it's obvious we made the right choice because yeah. we're selfish and we want to tell our stories yeah. and make shit up 
Which to is, make shit up. Yeah, just make it out of thin air. Journalism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, certain pockets are doing it, but yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, I, I, re I retract my point. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt. So yeah, 2013, oh, yeah. we pivot to screenwriting. I um. So yeah, I I did a lot of like self learning. You know, just like a lot of like reading shit. You know, learning how to format, um, reading scripts. Mm -hmm. wrote some really terrible like really really terrible stuff you know mm -hmm. along mm -hmm. the way oh yeah um took like a class one time and yeah it was that it was that, that it was that you know sort of thing like i feel like the thing that really maybe we'll get to it later the thing that really like landed for me was just kind of like being on twitter and finding my people you know what i mean like people to yeah. read my stuff and get better and stuff like that Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. When did you get start using Twitter in a bigger way? My, for me, it was when the pandemic started. It was before 2020. It was mm -hmm. like, I want to say 2016 or 17. Okay. It, it was it was something like that. Um, cool. I had been in like some like Facebook screenwriters group and they had um, mentioned something called Rack on twitter which mm -hmm. isn't around anymore do were you, did you i remember it of that? Okay. i remember it. yeah it was like the uh accountability thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. totally yep yeah and that was oh, that's like, crazy that went away i didn't even notice but yeah yeah that was a cool thing yeah started by gary graham mike hennessy and it was it was great it was perfect for me because like i feel like i do very well with like deadlines you know mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. maybe it's my anxiety because it, like it was all so like for Rack, if people don't know, for Rack, you know, you sign up, there's a place for you to sign up online and you declare your project and like your deadlines that you like mm -hmm. what like you might have act one done by June 3rd or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, like making it public like that, even though no one really fucking cares, but making yeah. it public like that is like the anxiety of like, Oh my god like i said i was gonna have this done by then but like what if i don't and like are people gonna think whatever 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 even though no one gives a shit but like it's just yeah, like yeah, but like yeah. that was very good for me you know yeah. like to do that and yeah. i i made so many like uh great friends you yeah, know, yeah that that still use twitter you know and all that stuff so okay totally yeah yeah guy crawford i think was the first guest i had on mm -hmm. who gave me kind of a rundown of pre-pandemic screenwriting twitter Guy is one of the people in my little writing in my little writers group. So. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah, I love Guy. Ever who doesn't? Guy yeah, is the best. Exactly. But um, but yeah, okay. So that's cool. Um, and yeah, I think for a lot of us, it's the reason I do this podcast with writers I've met on Twitter. We're still calling it Twitter. We're never going to call it the <laughs> other thing. But um, but yeah, it's like uh, it really did just feel so cool because I think all of us are in our own cities in America or in the world uh at large internationally um but no matter where you are uh if you're in LA if you're in New York maybe it's different you have a lot of screenwriters around you chasing the dream but like for me in Missouri it's like there's people doing it out here but maybe not like to the point where it's like oh I want to write Hollywood features or like I want to staff on a TV show and that's my goal and I'm going towards it like out here it's like we have that but then there's a large portion of people too, just kind of dipping their toes in or making short films, which is great. But, um, but yeah, getting on Twitter and just like finding others who are just so uh, determined 
to yeah. get to this goal too. And like just making friends and confiding in them, the internet really opened that up for us and Twitter. And yeah, I just, I'm, I'm super grateful that I found the, the, the crew that I have, you know? And it's like, like spoiler alert for like advice later, but like, it's so important to just find those people to like read your stuff and like yeah. people that you trust. I mean, even before Twitter, like when I felt like I was starting to get better, I used a paid service twice. And there was this guy, and actually Rob, Rob's on Twitter, Rob Ripley, if anybody knows Oh, yeah, him. yeah. He, mm-hmm. Yeah, he, I don't know if he still does it, but back then he, you mm-hmm. know, he was doing like a, a paid thing. And mm-hmm. he was like fucking great. And, and like reading like, you know, my pilot at that point and just mm-hmm. really digging into it. It was the first time I felt like, oh, like this person like kind of understands what I'm going for. And like the feedback is all actionable. And like, I feel yeah. myself getting better. You know what I mean? Yep. And then that became invaluable when like you find people who could do that for you for free. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. And, like I have that. Yeah. And so 2020 is so interesting because, because, you know, I've, I've heard you say that before, like you started using in 2020. At that point, the pandemic, it's like, I felt like I was so overwhelmed back mm-hmm. then. Like I couldn't read scripts. Like I couldn't write anything yeah. new. Like I, I could only revise stuff. It was like the weirdest thing. I couldn't write anything new. I couldn't read. Mm-hmm. And I stepped back from Twitter at mm-hmm. the start of the pandemic. I, 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 mm-hmm. I was like a ghost there for like a long while. And it was oh, cool wow. seeing all these new people come in you know, yeah. into the because of the pandemic. Yeah. And then, and then it was like a part of me almost felt like left out, like seeing all these new people come in. But then, and I was just like, kind of like turned into a little bit pandemic ghost. There yeah. For, uh, yeah. That's funny too. Cause it's also like, I was here before you, you know, like <laughs> you guys should know me, but like, um, no, that's cool. And I, I mean, yeah. from all I see, you do seem to be uh, pretty well known and well liked on Twitter. Uh, you know, you're, you're, I see, I see you, I see you around. I see you on there on the website. Uh, okay, cool. So uh, now another awkward question I'm going to put you through. Uh, how would you describe your brand? It's hilarious because I think this is where we cut back to your um, reading of my bio. <laughs> yes, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, I know that that that's really how like I kind of see my my brand. I yeah. write a lot about identity. Yeah. And just like really digging into what that means for the individual person, what that means for how their identities push up against society and what mm-hmm. society's expectations for their identi- identities mm-hmm. and um and trauma. Trauma. Just oh, uh gotta write about that trauma. To that uh that trauma, you know? Yeah, that infinite well. Yeah. But <laughs> uh but yeah, I mean like growing up biracial you know um bicultural i guess too you know my mom's side of the family being ukrainian my dad's side being african-american just growing up like that and me dealing like with my own like identity crisis shit that like you go through as like a teenager and and everything i think i think i finally like started to really come into my own as a writer when i was like that's what I want to write about, you know, mm-hmm. like, like that's like my perspective. And I yeah. think that's even what made me pivot away. Like I mentioned earlier, I pivoted away from 
comedy at first because I, I put myself in a box. I was just like, I'm just going to write about comedy. And yeah. obviously, plenty of people write about that shit through comedy. You know what yes. I mean? Like, very obviously. Yeah. We have tons of great um, silly comedies and dark, very serious comedies that, that mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bear or anyone. But, yeah. um, but for some reason, for me, it's like, all my ideas just it was just like oh i want to do it like through horror you know i want to do it through mm-hmm. like supernatural shit you know stuff like yep. that but but yeah that's me yeah that's awesome i love that and you're right now that i'm reading bios i might just need to cut that question <laughs> hey could you repeat what i said earlier <laughs> um but no anyway uh all right so moving on uh sam since everyone's routine is unique can you kind of describe your regular writing routine to me like are you morning writer night writer at home in a coffee shop i don't have a routine mm-hmm. which is not a cop-out answer like uh-huh. i literally don't have a routine like growing up i was um very shy kid you know mm-hmm. very bullied kid all throughout like school and everything mm-hmm. so what I did was just like, no matter where I was, so I didn't have to talk to people, you know, was just right. You know what I mean? So I could be like in a noisy classroom, sitting in the hallway, sitting wherever I had to sit, I was always just writing. Mm -hmm. And like, I guess that was training for the future because it's like, I feel like I can just like sit down and write, Mm -hmm. you know, like I can't, the only things I can't have is like, Obviously, someone trying to talk to you directly is a problem while, mm-hmm. while trying to write. But yeah. um, I can't listen to music while, while writing pages. Mm-hmm. I can do it for like outlining and stuff like that, but not writing pages. But other yeah. than that, it's kind of just like, oh, I need to go write. So I just, I just, you know, we'll go write. Yeah, wherever you are, just kind of make it happen. Yeah, cool. Um, okay, awesome. So let's see. Uh, let's talk about your process. So let's say you have a brand new idea. What is the first thing you're doing? Are you jumping into an outline? Are you jumping into pages? Are you writing a log line? Do you need a title before you can write? What's the first thing that you do when you have a brand new idea? I would love to have a title. It actually bugs me when I don't because like I really like titles, you know? Yep. And like... I'm writing, I'm writing a new pilot right now. It's like horror, dark horror, comedy, horror, dark comedy thing. And I have no idea what the fucking title is. And it's driving me insane. Mm. It's like driving me crazy. But um, I hate that. But, I hate having untitled at the top yeah. of like a word doc or something when I'm like outlining. It's the worst. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but other than that, um, I start off in my handy notes app on my phone. Just mm. like, you know, writing shit down. I'll create like a notes, just like a general, I'll just say magic, like magical Negro notes document on like my computer and just like any, any ideas, like just anything. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, I feel like I learned this from way back listening to the writer's panel, listening Mm -hmm. to like other writers talk about their process. So Mm -hmm. like I do the whole shebang. I I go from notes to um, character lists in mm-hmm. character profiles, you know, so mm-hmm. I'll learn everything about my characters. Mm-hmm. I'll do tons of research. Um, for Magical Negro is a period piece, you know, takes place in pre-Civil War Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So I had to do like tons of research on like Philadelphia at that time period and all that stuff. 
Mm-hmm. So research, character profiles, I'll, I'll write a world profile. I'll just like mm-hmm. write a document about how like the rules of the world works, you know? Yes. Um, like anything having to do with the world, the political stuff, the whatever it is in that world, just like how it works. Mm-hmm. Then I'll do a beat sheet. Yeah. Um, just like shit that I'm like, oh, I want this to happen at some point or this should happen. It's like anything I can think of that might happen. I write mm-hmm. it down. Mm-hmm. I try to do it in order, mm-hmm. you know, but, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of falls where it falls. Yeah. And then I'll do my outline finally. And I'm a very heavy outliner. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm one of the crazy people that will have like outline draft 10. <laughs> oh wow so like i i outline a lot yeah um and then and then i'll get to pages uh finally and nice. then often when i get the pages i realize that my outline halfway through is shit and then i have to go back and re-outline before, before oh so you're that. you're not someone who once you start pages can just like abandon the outline like you have to go back and make sure you're fixing the outline it depends because yeah. I've done that where it's just like, oh, my vomit draft, you know, just like yeah. writing it all out. Yep. A lot of times my outlines are so detailed that the outline itself might as well just be a vomit draft. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just my brain. Like mm-hmm. if I'm stuck on a scene, there's something about viewing the words in an outline form versus mm-hmm. like in a script form that just like gets the greases turning better, you know? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. sometimes I'll just like straight vomit it. But yeah. other times I'll get like 30 pages into a script and I'll just be like, oh, this shit isn't working at all. Like like there's yeah. no point in doing the vomit, right? Because it's like yeah. it's almost a page one rewrite, you know? Yeah, so it's just yeah, like yeah. go right back to the outline after that. For sure, yeah. Awesome. And I will say when you mentioned listening to the writer's panel, if you don't mind, I'm just going to dub in my voice going the social screenwriters podcast over that, you know, just to, you know, make sure I'm always advertising myself. I mean, naturally, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll I'll, I'll make that change. <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right. So uh, great. That's cool. You're one of the um, the rare, not not really rare, but on this show, sort of the rare um, heavy outliners who are very dedicated to outlining, which, um, you know, we get people from all across the board i'm someone who i like to do a rough outline but uh i i found that i can't do a really detailed outline i just got to get in there and feel it out and write pages so uh yeah we're all across the board and uh god forbid someone talks about it on twitter because uh, it's gonna be the end of days Uh, Uh, when that happens i grab my bucket of popcorn throw some m&ms in there and there you go yeah yeah, yeah. dude i think it is i think my problem early on in my scripts is, for the most part, plot. I mm-hmm. I try to do like too much, especially like in a pilot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have so yeah. many ideas about where the world is going to go or where the story is going to go, and you just try to do too much in a pilot. Yeah, and pilots have, especially are tricky. You have to set up so yeah. many things. It's true. Yeah, and and like so, like my problem initially is always like plot and for some reason i find i guess it's my weird brain i find that i can find character better in outline form than i can just write in pages Mm. and and again it might just be like as simple as 
the words like the the outline is listed vertically instead of typing pages or in the words are going to her just something about it just helps yeah. me to like understand it better you know yeah that's crazy because i'm the opposite in terms of character plot i can outline all day but finding character i need it to be in pages yeah uh because uh, honestly for me i think a big thing about character is um i gotta just get in there and let two characters talk to each other and just start figuring out how I want that dynamic to be yeah. and how I want those people to be. But, um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. And then I wanted to ask, um, so do you, I know you write a lot of TV. Do you have any features or do you have interest in features? I, I would say I have interest. Mm -hmm. I've written like short and stuff. So like non TV yeah. stuff, like I've, I've written short, sure. but, um, there's something, and this is probably totally dumb on my part. Uh -huh. If there is, something about features so like you're saying like oh like pilots are so hard because you have to like all these factors right yeah yeah but i'm so and it's it's still very hard so that's not what i'm saying i'm not saying it's not hard it's very of course. hard of course but like my brain is now so geared towards writing pilots that mm. i feel like this level of anxiety of trying to wrap my mind around the structure of writing the feature yeah yeah beginning you know, middle it, and it's, end it's a different like like you know format you know well, whatever mm -hmm. it's just a different being you know to do structurally I, for sure yeah yeah and i just get like a weird anxiety about it when yeah. when when i think about it but yeah. well that's how i am about tv honestly i have one pilot i wrote a black mirror spec in college whenever i had to write a one hour spec of any show I chose Black Mirror, which is the feature guy thing to do because there's no <laughs> recurring characters. You know, every episode's brand new. So I basically yeah. cheated the system so I could write a 60 page movie. Um, but then uh, but I also wrote a, a Family Guy spec when I had to do a 30 minute spec. And that was super fun. But like, yeah, TV is different for me. And like the, the thing that got me through features, I give them so much free advertising at this point. I really need to stop. <laughs> but there is a book out there. That can I say involves it? a can I can I drop say it, it? Drop it. Save the cat. <laughs> yes, yes, you nailed it. Yeah. See, that could be like an advertisement for them, and we could be making money. I, I don't know. know why I keep doing this, but uh, but yeah, as far as feature structure, that was the book that changed everything for me. And it's so basic, but I just didn't even know there was like a roadmap for making movies, like telling stories, like, and then this should happen, and then something like this should happen with the character, and then they're going through this part of the movie. And I was like, holy shit, every movie I've ever seen almost follows that, you know? And, um, yeah. but I think about like, I have um, Save the Cat rights for TV or whatever. I haven't dug into it too much, but like, um, yeah, there's just, there's a lot of things that need to happen in TV. And for me, I think I'm such an ending person that of course, every TV episode, even a pilot has an ending but it's not an ending for that character and it's def it's only the beginning of their journey yeah. and um i don't know there's something about it that i just like wrapping things up it's it's the tricky part right like yeah. in a pilot there still needs to be like that emotional journey right like yes. the, the character still needs to go through a change and their world basically kind of needs to go through a change to mm -hmm. set up the rest of the series so like it's still yeah. like having that end of the episode having that maybe instead of an ending we should think of it more just like a transformation yes because you know? you're right they start in one place and end in a different place yeah. for sure 
uh, much like features. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Um, just like, because yeah, with you being mostly TV, never really touching features, I'm pretty much all features, not really touching TV. It's just interesting how we all, um, it's one of the reasons I love doing this show because we're all the same, but we're also different too. Yeah. Um, and we're all chasing a similar goal. You know, that, that's why all the fighting when it breaks out on Twitter is so frustrated and dumb because it's not, listen, like it isn't like math. We're not like accountants, no say towards accountants, but like, right. obviously there are jobs where you have to do everything uh, literally a certain way. Yes. to do the job for yeah. us it's like we're all fucking different all of our processes the yep. way we go about any of this shit is different all of our journeys are different uh-huh. you know like yeah. i i you know like i know people who like had written tons of scripts before getting their representation yeah. i know someone who got a, a manager on her first script you yeah. know like yeah. it's just it's so crazy yeah. when the fighting breaks out simply because everyone's just like i'm right i'm right i'm yeah. right i'm right, I'm right. i want to say kira jones her first script was the one that hulu bought or right. out of uh, the cover fly pitch meeting or something like that uh not sure on that don't quote me don't even research <laughs> it just believe me um <laughs> but uh okay cool so and real quick i did want to jump back because you brought up representation so with your new manager uh how did it go like what was it what what was the um what was it an email that you got it was an email that i got it's actually funny looking back on it i remember he followed me on twitter because like oh a manager just followed me on twitter let me follow him back you know (laughs) yeah 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 always an exciting notification to get yeah does that mean anything 99.9 percent of the time no yeah but uh but yeah he he emailed me so we had like yeah like our first meeting just chatting Mm -hmm. you know much much like this we did a whole podcast you know (laughs) yeah yeah definitely (laughs) (laughs) for sure just getting to know each other and everything and then and then we like tested i think he wanted to see how i would take to like receiving his like feedback and yeah. just like testing like how our process would work together. So yeah, so like we went back and forth with doing um notes, actually not on Magical Negro, because I know you talked about this before, but like the importance of having more than one script, you know, yes. more more than one thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have a few samples, right? Mm-hmm. But I I he had asked for something else to read. So I sent him my horror pilot. That's been doing pretty well called the mm-hmm. king of the cannibals mm-hmm. so i sent that to him he really liked that too mm-hmm. um and it was on the king of the cannibal script where we did the process test back and forth with him giving me feedback me implement me implementing that mm-hmm. um and everything and which having a manager it's a, kind of a weird feeling right like it's a good thing right Mm -hmm. like oh Mm -hmm. like i have representation it's nice to know that there's somebody within the machine that i can go to directly has my back and is actively working to get me like work or sell something after the strike is over yes but um but before that you know i was the same thing like any other writer you know what i mean like writing a lot and then just like 
hustling, you know? So like I had, I had a bit of a relationship with a producer before mm. that, that I really liked. And we, me and her had gone through the same process of like me, like sending her a script and then her giving me feedback and me implementing the feedback and like back and forth, back and forth. So mm. it was like, nice like having that already like having those kinds of baselines yes and when i finally get representation it's like going through a process that i've already kind of like been through before you know yeah. what i mean yeah um yep. it, it was like a lot of that and then he did the same thing with magical negro met a couple of times and then yeah i guess you know we worked well together so he signed me yeah, that's awesome. I love to hear it. Um, congratulations again. That's so great. And it's such a milestone for every writer, for sure. Um, okay, cool. So jumping back into how you write, on average, how long does it take for a first draft to be complete? Let's say a 60-page um, pilot. Okay. From like yeah, I, idea to, to yeah. the end. Well, not the end on a pilot, but yeah. A hard question for me to answer because I'm struggling to think of it because I do so much pre-pages work. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. I feel like when I used to set my deadline goals, like on Rack, um, I think I used to give myself a month to do all the pre-pages stuff. Mm -hmm. So to do all like the craziness, like the beat sheets, the character profiles, the endless research and endless outlines. Yeah. And then I gave myself a month because I never did the like finish act one in two weeks or act three. I, I always just like script will be done by blah, 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 blah. Sure. So I think I gave myself like a month to then do the pages. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would say two to maybe two and a half to three months. Mm -hmm. Three months might be stretching it, but maybe yeah. like two and a half months from like idea to, to at least like a first draft. Sure. And my first drafts are never like first drafts, first drafts. Like mm -hmm. I really make sure that it's as good as I can make it before yep. even sending it to my writer's group. You know? Yes. So it takes yeah. Time. yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. That's pretty good time. Two and a half months, three months. Like that's, that's pretty good. Is that all, like, if you're really sticking to it, if I'm really sticking to it, because that that's yeah. the kind of right. If I'm not procrastinating yep. or anything like that, yeah, yeah, I'm actually a little frustrated right now. Like I said, I'm writing this like horror dark comedy thing, it's like a horror dark rom com featuring like Dracula, and oh, wow. and I'm like really excited about it. Uh -huh. I mentioned earlier how like I had like these comedy premises that I then like went into more dramatic ways with it. Yeah. This, I thought I was going to write some like gothic, serious like type thing. Mm. And and actually had the opposite effect where I'm like, no, nah, it's going to be an hour long comedy, like like who lose the great or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I'm really excited to write it. But uh -huh. then like all the manager stuff happened. Yeah. So like I find myself doing like all these revisions and, and yeah. now I'm like, oh, I want some time to get back to this like uh, pilot, you know? Yeah, yeah, I've I've lived that too. I think I've talked about it in an older episode, but like, yeah, same thing happened to me when I got my manager. We started taking some general meetings on one of my scripts, 
and um got a little heat and then all of a sudden i'm like doing these rewrites with a producer and um man it just derailed all progress on new stuff you know it was like every time i get ready to do some new stuff the the next set of notes would come in on that script and it had to be the priority in, in my life you know it's the most exciting thing ever being like oh these people might actually want to make the movie yeah. so it would always take priority and it's like right when i would start <clears throat> getting a little bit of momentum on a new thing notes would come in derail everything have to start over and yeah it was super frustrating but also like you know i'm sure you feel this way too it's like that's the life of a professional writer, which is what we want to be. And it's like, so, you know, better get used to that and learn how to work through it. But um, yeah, it was a big learning curve for me, for sure. And and like, and, and it's, it's always good to rewrite. Like I had already been going back to a couple of older projects and rewriting that, you know, uh-huh. um, like earlier this year, I did like a big rewrite of my dark comedy pilot. I mm-hmm. did a big rewrite on a much older like drama pilot and everything. So mm-hmm. I was already in that mindset of like, go back to older work, make it better because yes. you know, we all evolve, you know, over the years and stuff. So Yeah. Yeah. With that said, just because I feel like so many uh, newer writers listen to this podcast too, like, that's a good thing in your early days of screenwriting. Like, you know, in if you wrote a script a year and a half ago, Think about taking a look at it again and just yeah. brushing up because like I'll, I remember doing that with my first scripts and going through and just being like, what is this formatting? My God, you know, and just like little things like that. And I just clean it up. And, uh, you know, for me, those ended up being the scripts that uh, went to the nickel for me. It was like just with polish, polish, polish over yeah. a couple of years, you know. Uh, but yeah, it happens. So don't don't just think that your first scripts have to die. Go back yeah. and make them better. And actually, like, what what am I that I mentioned the King of the Cannibal, the horror yeah. one? Mm-hmm. I had written a version of that script very early on, like mm-hmm. very early on in like taking screenwriting seriously. Yeah. And what, like an hour long script in general, just in general, should probably max out at like 60 pages, right? Yeah. And I remember that script being like 120 pages you know and, and it was meant to be a one hour yeah pilot? and it was meant to be a one hour pilot oh, yeah. this was yeah, like years ago right like when i was first sure. like really getting into it yeah and i remember back then just like oh i don't know how to make it shorter you know and really it was like not understanding structure and like yes. stuff like that yes and one of my proudest things is is last year that's when i finished it was taking that original premise that i had figuring out something in the story just randomly one day and being like, holy shit, I think I can actually write that story now, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like all these years later. Yeah. And that thing turned out to be probably my most efficient script. Yeah. Like it, it, it that early one was 120 pages. That, that script today is like 53 pages. Amazing. You know? and, yeah. and, and it was one of the scripts that helped you know, get me my manager, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I'm I'm sure you went in there too in the 120 page version too and found like cuz I did this, found entire scenes that don't move the story forward. It's just like people talking and it was just like me enjoying it like almost like ego-wise like this is such a cool movie conversation. Yeah. And it's like it's not doing anything. Like cut that. Like and it's funny too you say 120 for a 1 hour pilot cuz like my first feature was 119 pages. 
and uh immediately people are like cut it down make it like a hundred <laughs> you know like i think my couple of my features right now sit right between like a hundred and a hundred and ten but like i've learned not to i've learned to um to control myself from going over 110 because uh yeah it's just it, it's tough and from making i don't know if any of your sh- have your shorts ever been shot one one that i co-wrote yeah oh sweet yeah it's like um those pages too they say you know a page of screenplay time is one minute of screen time yeah. not always true sometimes no. it's more and um so yeah i've like found that uh like we just shot something june 30th and it was six pages on the dot like you know if i put one more letter on the page it would have gone to seven and um that is currently sitting at like nine and a half minutes and that's just on a small scale so you know you multiply that by you know 10 or however much and you're talking about now 25 minutes over or something you know because it's different not uniform different pages are going to have different pacing different things are going on it's yeah it's it's, i guess it's a it's a good rule to i guess generally live by so your work just isn't too long but for sure it's not gonna match yeah no yeah i think like yeah you know uh uh 30 minute pilots you know you could say from like 22 pages on to 30 ish but like, uh, you know, 25 to 30, maybe um, one hour pilots, 50 to 60. Like you said, 53 is a great number to land on. Yeah. Um, but then for features, you know, 90 to 100, try to keep it in there. You know, yeah. uh, if you're a famous screenwriter, then you can do whatever you want. But, um, um, but when you're starting out, you got to really be practical. Um, maybe I was just ahead of my time. Maybe when I wrote the 120 <laughs> pages pilot, I thought that I was going to get a two hour broadcast premiere yes <laughs> for a debut yeah this is a brand new kind of uh one hour drama it's going to be two hours <laughs> right? uh that's hilarious but um but yeah jumping back in uh and again i'll just reiterate too that like i really do think the um the screen page to screen time ratio it's just i'm just throwing it out there again because it is really important and like no one thinks it's more important than producers who are the gatekeepers to getting your shit made. And it's just going to happen to you. If your script is brilliant and 120 pages, but it's your debut script, they're not going to let you do 120 pages because then you're going to have a two hour, two and a half hour movie. And they're just not going to fly through that. Unless Christopher Nolan is making your script, which I don't think that's going to happen. Probably Nolan specifically, but uh, and yeah. the term like, the cliche killing your darlings it's cliche for a reason because some things are cliche because like it's true right like like for as great as you might think something is Mm -hmm. there's probably always something that you can cut restructure yes to to get it down even with magical negro um talking i was talking to my manager and we were talking about the script um i just sent him a new draft of it yesterday but we we had been talking about um, some feedback that he had, and mm-hmm. and just in our back and forth conversation, he said something that I literally had never thought of before for for the script, and I was like, oh, holy shit! Like, yeah, that will make it better, and I can do it, you know. Yeah. But it also involved me going back in, you know, mm-hmm. changing mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff, rewriting. Yeah. Um, I 
I is actually funny. I I was the one. He did this one scene in the script that he like really liked. Mm-hmm. He really liked, and I was like, it has to go. Like mm-hmm. like like I just didn't think like like I like the scene. I'm proud of the scene. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, it's probably like an episode two scene. Like I don't I don't need yeah. the scene. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um. And now the script's a little bit shorter too. <laughs> yeah you know, that, that. that stuff happens you really can't have a huge ego and be a screenwriter because you're gonna have to take a an objective look at your stuff all the time um and it's just part of the gig and if you have too much of an ego to say holy shit my brain never thought of that i was incapable of thinking that way and that is such a good note and you're absolutely right like that shit happens and it's just making you look better because you still get to put your name on the thing at the end of the day. Uh, unless you get in bed with some sketchy producer who's like wanting a co-writing credit for one note or something, but uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. So it's like, you know, it, it's, it's a fine balance. A lot of people listening already know this, but like, you know, it's like pick and choose your battles and sometimes do choose a hill to die on if you truly believe in it. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's really for me so far, the process of like, trying to actually get things made or just to make things, you know, industry level quality, you really have to drop that ego and just, you know, take notes. Well, um, I, I had a similar note that to what you said, um, I had a feature that was a mother and daughter story, uh, kind of a two hander mother and daughter, the whole movie. And then a director came on board and pro- proposed, what if they are not family? What if it's just, this young woman who meets this older woman and they just go through the movie together. I don't want to give away too much, but like uh, that's a huge change because the whole yeah. movie was written through a mother and daughter relationship lens. I was like, yeah, that's your, that could be cool. Everyone liked the idea. I was like, okay, I'll go in and take a look. And uh, I immediately realized this is an entire page one rewrite now. Like every scene, need, it's a trickle down effect. Every scene changes, yeah. but, um, but I did it and everyone, including me, it, it is better for it. And like, so it's also that thing too, of just admitting when someone has a really good idea, even though you have to go do a bunch of work, you know, it's like, that'll really test you. How bad do you want this? How bad do you want the career? It's, it's exhausting, right? Yeah. Like it's exhausting being a screenwriter. It's it is doubly exhausting. Like I love writing, right? Like I am. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not one of the ones who are like, ah, oh, which is also fair to not love writing, right? But you yeah, know, you you yeah. get people who are like, oh, the labor of writing pages and stuff. Like I, I actually just really love it. You know, I was doing yeah. it since I was a kid. You know, like I just yeah. like love the act of writing. It's fun. It is fun, right? Mm-hmm. But like, it's work it's exhausting and then when things are literally 99.99% rejection all yeah. the time yeah it just exacerbates that exhausting man yep. so like i mm-hmm. get it like i've been there i've been there where i've gotten notes and i've just been like not not like upset about the note but and, and like recognizing like oh like something does need to change or this isn't as good as blah 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 but then just feeling like ah I have to do this, you know, yeah. like just, just exhausted yeah. by it. And like, yep. and I hope people like find that normal. You know what I mean? Like, I think mm-hmm. it's normal to be fucking exhausted and it's normal to like be down or get depressed, you know, or have anxiety about all of it, you know? Yeah. I think sometimes a lot, like you see people like post on Twitter and some people might pick up 
the vibe of like joy it's great you know it's, yeah. it's great all the time but yeah. like fucking hard you know oh god it's it's exhausting it's heartbreaking a lot of the time like yeah like you said the rejection thing we didn't even touch on that like with dropping your ego like get used to that (laughs) get used to that that's the majority of what's going to happen is getting rejected um on that uh oh my god i had a point to make and then i completely forgot it (laughs) okay you know what we're dwelling on that too long anyway (laughs) moving moving right along uh okay so when a first draft is complete you mentioned a writer's group but when your first draft is complete what's the first thing that you do are you sending it to your writer's group are you doing another revision on your own like a draft two kind of before other people get eyes on it do you put it away for a little bit and then come back with fresh eyes do you go straight to a contest do you go to paid feedback what's the first thing you're usually doing well i write my first bad draft you know, mm-hmm. vomitish draft. Yeah. I don't let anyone read that. I yeah. um I revision the shit out of it. I rewrite the the shit out of it yeah. until I feel like I am not embarrassed, you know, mm-hmm. to let to let someone read it. Yes. So like so I'll consider that like my first draft, but really like my first readable draft, yeah. you know, is then like I don't sit on it because I get too excited, you know, mm-hmm. like I still mm-hmm. get that excitement of like finishing a project and being like, oh, I made this. I want people to read this. It's like a legit yeah. temporary high too. Yeah. Like I like, yeah, you're just giddy. Yeah. Before, yeah. <laughs> before someone's feedback brings you back. Down <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Head, you know? Right. So I'll, I'll, I'll immediately ask if anyone like in my writers group um has any time to read or get feedback and stuff mm-hmm. stuff like that mm-hmm. um and then yeah just send it out to to to, to people who um i trust who mm-hmm. you know i trust their feedback um to give me good notes and stuff like that um yeah so that that's just that's basically what i do and then just keep working off of feedback um finish you know take the first feedback do another draft send it out again to more people and yep. go on, go on. Yep. Rinse and repeat. Yeah, yeah. I totally get that for sure. Um, okay, cool. Uh, so what are some of your hobbies outside of screenwriting that help keep you sane? <laughs> Sanity in this world? I know. Right. What are you talking about? Right. I know. <laughs> um, um, running. Running is really nice. Helps with my anxiety. Yes, <laughs> I can relate. Wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I don't run. If mm-hmm. I have like a week without running, like I fucking feel that. I'm like, yeah. why is my anxiety like so bad? You know? Yep. Yep. Um, no, I can music. relate. Music. Very, very obsessed with music. Um, mm-hmm. Always sad that I've never learned. I'm not good at music, mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. And that like depresses me on like many levels because I am very obsessed with 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 music and keeping up on music um mm-hmm. i make like a playlist for like every like script and, and everything i don't listen to it while writing pages but uh-huh. like just for like percolating ideas you know yep. like i just like put it on like i listen to it and stuff like that yeah but, like my dad was like a really good um guitarist um, oh, nice. you know there's i don't know how much is i don't know how true it is but they're on the black side of my family there's the story that we might be related to like Ella Fitzgerald. So like Whoa. I might have some like I might have some music in my DNA. 
yeah have no access to it yeah. no access to it at all but, <laughs> right but music 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 is great um nice. yeah, you know, watching tv watching movies baseball yep. football nice yeah, that counts for sure. Uh, some people wonder if watching movies and TV counts as a hobby, and it absolutely does to me. Like that's one of my favorite pastimes. Um, interesting, you say football and baseball too, because I like I like baseball. I like hockey. Hockey's my big sport, and um, it, for me, I think one of the reasons I love it so much is it's something I can watch and turn my story brain completely mm. off and just like enjoy a mindless sport. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, yeah, it's just, it's just nice. Me and, uh, uh, Saeed Crumpler talked about that. He's a big baseball fan. And it's just like, it's nice to just turn that narrative thing off and just watch something and enjoy it. Even though there are storylines to sports, yeah. but, um, but nothing that like, it, for me, it feels like an escape that I really like. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. But also a lot of times game is on my laptop's open and I'm like, I'm like working, working on, on stuff. Working on something too. Yeah, but but usually not because like if I'm watching like the Eagles play, yeah. I've had times where I'm like also writing and then I'm like, fuck, I have no idea what just happened the last couple of plays. And like time and, to like, lock you know, in. Yeah, and like yeah. I'm like, oh, we should do a podcast. I'm just pitching yeah. podcasting. Now. We should do a podcast where yeah. you explain hockey to me because oh, that'd be fun. Being a Philadelphian, you uh-huh. know, like. Sports is very much in our DNA. Yeah. But like I'm almost purely baseball and football, uh-huh. but I very much want to be able to enjoy the Flyers and the Sixers more. But yeah. like I've tried watching hockey and I'll get into it. Right. Like yeah. like like hockey is enjoyable. Yeah. But I'm like, who's fucking all sides? What's going on? Yeah. It, it it's yeah, it's confusing at first for sure. Yeah. In fact, my St. Louis Blues just got a player from your Philadelphia oh, Flyers really? this offseason, Kevin Hayes. Yeah. So right. yeah, I didn't uh, even know that. Thank you very much. Yep. Yep. You had some doing in that. I would take um, your thanks personally. You of course. Welcome. Of course. Yeah. No, that would be a really funny podcast though. Uh just watching a game, streaming a game together, and me just being like, all right, so this guy basically he's doing this right now. <laughs> uh, that'd be super funny. And then I'm like, don't explain it to me like I'm white. Explain it to me like I'm black. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, that'd be funny. And like you could, well, you know, I I have a vague understanding of football. For me, football though, it's uh like I can watch a game and know what's going on. But for me, it's a uh, man. It's just so stop and go. Mm. You know, it's like play for five seconds, stop kind of move some players around maybe some people sub in and then they go again it's just like and maybe that speaks to like how i also have anxiety and i feel like okay. i do every bad thing that fuels anxiety because like i'm like i'd rather watch hockey where it's like so fast paced and in your face and like i also like drink tons of caffeine as a person <laughs> who already has last night yeah. at that award show i drank a 12 ounce red bull on the way to meet up with my buddy who we were going together uh, I drank a 12 ounce Red Bull and then we're all hanging out outside of the theater and there was a gas station across the street. And I don't know, I guess it's because I'm sober now. I don't drink alcohol. So sometimes in social situations, I'm like, what do I do? Like, I feel like I need to be doing something. Yeah. And uh, so I was like, I'm going to walk across the street and get another Red Bull. And I did. <laughs> so now in like a two hour span, I've smashed two Red Bulls. And I was sitting in the theater just fucking shaking and just like, that was a huge mistake. And I was like trying to like do deep breathing and stuff, like trying to calm down. 
but I do all horrible things that fuel my anxiety. But I wonder if that's why football gives me so much trouble because uh, it's just so it doesn't move quick enough for me. First, I am fucking jealous of your ability to consume that much caffeine. Yeah. Because the way my anxiety works is uh-huh. that like my stomach isn't strong enough to deal with if my anxiety is out of control. My mm. stomach isn't strong enough to deal with anxiety and mm. the acid of like coffee or, oh, or yeah. just dealing with caffeine. So yeah. like I have, I go through long periods throughout my life where I was like, I just can't have caffeine, uh-huh. which is a real bummer because the first time I ever had coffee, my Ukrainian grandma was babysitting us one time. Uh-huh. And she at five years old mm-hmm. gave me my first cup of coffee. My wow. first cup of like caffeinated. I, I remember like, total five-year-old like i remember like dipping the spoon into the coffee like drinking it that way like sipping mm-hmm. it but like mm-hmm. so like totally love caffeine totally yeah. love coffee yeah. always really a bummer when like the anxiety gets in the way of that yeah yeah i know yeah it's a burden to live with and i don't know about you and this might be personal but like uh i'm not medicated for it i was once prescribed for it and uh didn't like how it made me feel the uh the medicine i was taking so i'm just out here raw dogging it and uh it's uh it's it's rough i i was for a little bit but then i started just getting like really dizzy all the fucking time and i was like what's wrong with me because my my anxiety can trigger um hypochondria with me so like if something's off with me i start like freaking out like my mind just goes like what's wrong with me yeah some sort of alien disease yeah but, uh, i'm like i was like dizzy all the time and then finally my doctor is like well what are you taking i'm like well i'm taking the, uh, the anti-anxiety thing mm-hmm. and then i'm also taking like benadryl every night mm-hmm. but it was like it was like the anti-anxiety and benadryl just made me like a dizzy like mess 24 yeah. 7 all the time it was, oh my uh, gosh and that's dangerous oh, apparently yeah yeah uh-huh. yeah yeah, yeah. If you feel that way about football, how do you feel mm-hmm. about um, baseball? Kind of similar. I like yeah. baseball. St. Louis is a baseball town with the Cardinals, uh, who suck right now. But um, <laughs> but we have had a pretty good run in the past. And uh, yeah, it's like I, I, I like it. I can get into it. But a lot of times, like I put baseball on in the background, you know, and just kind of peek over at the score. Um, but yeah, it, it moves quite slow. Uh, basketball is something that I also want to get into. And there's been a rumor. I don't think it's going to happen, but there's been a rumor St. Louis might be uh, getting an NBA expansion team. Okay. And if that happens, I will be all fucking in. Like during the pandemic, when the Lakers won, I uh, I made the Lakers my team in the playoffs, just the playoffs. Yeah. I'm totally fake fan. But um, That's fine. But yeah, I picked them because I just like watching LeBron, which uh, people are probably gonna like unfollow me on Twitter for saying that. So he gets so much hate. It's because he's the best or one of the best. But um, but yeah, I uh, I want to get into basketball. I really like basketball too. Yeah. yeah, it's it's hard. Okay, so how about this? We do a podcast. You explain hockey at me. Yes. Not to me at me. Yes. I just really want that feeling, yeah. and then I can explain <laughs> football at you. Yeah, no, that sounds perfect. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And also those are on, uh, I think they're in different seasons too, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that works. Yeah. Well, football is about the like training camps right now. So like football, the first game should be like early September. 
Oh, never mind then. Hockey's in October, but yeah, you know, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. This is going to happen. Okay, cool. Uh, All right. So Sam, of the scripts that you've written, which is your favorite and why? Can I ask you something first? Yeah, for sure. Can I do a slight cheat? Can I give an original and a spec of a television show? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. My family guy spec is one of my favorite things because it's so silly. It's. I think it's always a great feeling writing like a great spec of like of like a show. Yeah. But uh, favorite original would be Magical Negro. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like I did a shit ton of research uh, yeah. on on the time period. Um, right. What it was not just like for like black people and enslaved people, but also what it was like for other ethnic groups. Like the mm-hmm. Irish in Philadelphia had not a great go of it at that type of. The Irish play like an important part, like in my story too. And oh, interesting! Doing, like doing like all that research. Um, mm-hmm. I just like writing about Philly. I'm I'm kind of a homer for, for you know, for my city. Yeah. Um, I love that. A, yeah, like come on, like yeah. it's not a bad thing to be a fan of your of your of your city. I, I love when people rep where they come from and you know wear it on their sleeve. I'm a big fan. I love St. Louis. You know, for all of our flaws, I still love where I come from, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like there's connotations to Philadelphia that exist mm-hmm. nationally about us. So, yeah. like, whenever I hear that shit, I just dig in more. Dig yeah. In, dig in even more. Yeah. But uh, there's there's a lot of me in um the protagonist of, of that script. Mm-hmm. Maybe more me, or at least certain aspects of me. Mm-hmm. in in that guy than than other scripts um i felt like the genre-ness of it the supernatural mm-hmm. part of it like his like luck power mm-hmm. um it was really hard to kind of capture because he, mm-hmm. he's a personified good luck charm for mm-hmm. anyone physically near him you know oh, making the yeah. lives better of, of people around him but it's yeah. so passive it's mm-hmm. not like flying. It's not like super stressed. It's not like shooting laser beams or something. It's so passive. Right. And it was like difficult to really write something so passive. I mean, I feel like I ended up making it work, you know, but mm-hmm. but it was a struggle, you know, to, to mm-hmm. get there, to make a passive power to write that in a character who's supposed to be like the most active character <laughs> in, yeah. in, in, in the script. Uh, right. so yeah, I, I would say Magical Negro is my favorite original. Nice. And then is it your community spec? Is your favorite spec? No. My no. favorite spec is my most recent one. So Ooh. I wrote an Abbott spec. Oh. And, and again, the Homer in me. Okay? Yeah, I was going to say, I'm excited now. I wrote an Abbott spec. That is also a crossover with It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh. What? Oh my god, that's amazing. The the first time I watched Abbott, I was like, I love this show. This mm-hmm. show is like represents Philly in its own way. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. And it's also like so wholesome. And, yeah, I and love it. It was that, it was right? what I needed at that time on yeah. TV. It's yeah, it's just like a, a good dose of medicine to the soul. I fucking love it. And but I was like I need to find a way to write the It's Always Sunny characters into <laughs> the yeah. raunchiest, worst human beings on yeah. earth. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so the setup of it is that there, there's been a book challenge 
mm-hmm. um, to one of the books in the Abbott's library. And mm-hmm. it's it's our dirtbag gang from It's Always Sunny who has issued a book challenge against one of the books in, in Abbott's library. Uh-huh. And then and then episode, you know, but oh, uh, but yeah, awesome. I, I'm, I'm really proud of it. Yeah. Uh, people seem to really love it, which has just been like making my Philly heart feel really nice. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, Rob, Rob McEnhiney, he he before my time, but he went to the same high school as me. Oh, cool. And, and then my sister at the high school she went to, Quinta, went to her high school. <laughs> no way. Oh, <laughs> yeah, man, that's super like a, cool fun silly connections you know but uh um, yeah i i felt weird saying that a spec of another show would be my favorite my favorite thing right but like i love that so much that it uh-huh. might be but i i had to throw in like an original too but yeah yeah, yeah. no and i mean the spec too it sounds like it's so much fun that like i could totally see why it would be up there like i said my family i think it's just fun i had a lot of fun writing it just being like joke 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 dumb 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 uh, and just having fun. Uh, I was going to say, too, because you said you're a music person. I don't know if you ever heard of this band, Dr. Dog, but they're a Philly band and uh, they're one of my favorites. OK, I think I know them extremely vaguely. Yeah, yeah, like extremely they're, they're vaguely cool. They're, they're, I think they're not. I don't know how much they're uh, working together now, but they had like seven or something albums. But they're really early stuff is uh, it's very like Beatles esque. Okay. And uh, with like a lot of like harmony, vocal, like three, four part harmonies and stuff. And it, it was really cool. But um, yeah, Philly, well, they and I'm they gonna, love Philly and really rep Philly. I'm going to look that shit up on Spotify right look after. Look that shit up. Yeah, they're cool. Um, But yeah. Okay. So what is a recent accomplishment that you're proud of? Probably pretty obvious. Uh, <laughs> could be screenwriting related, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, I'll move away from the manager thing. Okay. I had a um, uh, I had my first. I wrote a short play, and mm. I I had that performed a couple weeks ago. So no that, way! That that was my first time like having like a little play performed on like a stage and with actors and the whole stage yeah. thing, which was cool. That's was amazing. Cool. That's super cool. Um, yeah, I love that. What uh, like what theater was it at? Like, was it like a mid-sized theater, small little? Yeah. Theater. It was a the small theater in the yeah. Philly area. Um, yeah. it was part of like uh the director who did it put on this festival of like eco themed work. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so like she I've worked with her. She's also an actress. I, I worked with her on some table read stuff before. Yeah, and so she asked me if I had anything, and I was like, I don't have anything. <laughs> mm. but but i knew what the parameters were and i was like again like i really like working with deadlines and i was like fuck yeah. it i got like a month to write a short play i'm gonna fucking do it yeah and i did it and it was it was it was a lot of fun that's so awesome like, like the premise was like was like um like all the water in the world is bad right it's, it's post-apocalyptic mm. right so essentially the world has like ended yeah. But like these five strangers come come upon like this well that has the last remaining like safe to drink water left, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they're not sure how much is down there. So mm-hmm. it's not like a group effort thing of like, oh, let's all survive off this water. Like only yeah. one person like wants this water, and so they decide to tell stories of the worst things they've ever done. So like the person who's the least of the monster like gets to keep the war well, the the, yeah. the 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 safe water. 
Yeah. So there's like there's a twist. It's a dark comedy. It was. It, I love was, that. That's so cool. And it was actually really fun because like the the top part of the play. I mean, it's only like maybe like ten pages, right? Mm. The top half of it. It's a lot like jokier, right? It's a lot mm-hmm. um, with with like a lot of jokier type type of stuff, mm-hmm. silliness and everything. But then there's this point where there's this shift where cause I, I like to write a lot about like social things, like racial things and everything. Yes, yeah. There's a shift in it where like it takes a really serious pivot, you mm-hmm. know, like racially, like mm-hmm. there's a big racial theme that like pops up in it. And it was great listening to the audience go from like the ha 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 to like yeah. a, oh, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like serious about it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I love that. I mean, that's something I try to do in my writing and like dramedy stuff is like, yeah, you know, make them laugh one second. And then all of a sudden they're crying or they're like, Oh shit. You know? Yeah, I love and I love whenever stories do that to me. It's one of my favorite things. Um, cool. How, yeah, yeah. Could I ask how was it like viewing your your like shorts and like in a, in an audience? Because during the play, I was sitting there. Like, I was sitting next to my wife, and yeah. she could like hear my heart beating. Uh-huh. And Andy, I was just drenched in sweat. I was yeah. like sitting there, like in this audience, like everyone, and I'm just like just sweating my ass off it was like so bad yeah i'll tell you i'm getting way better at it now um the first thing i ever showed with an audience um was in film school and we would have like three classes come together and all watch uh everyone's shorts at the same time and we were doing a short that i wrote and directed in film school called tin box and um sitting there watching it heart pounding and just like god you're just so uncomfortable <clears throat> and that was uh it was not a comedy so it's like it was a very serious movie about like addiction and stuff and uh such a student film thing to talk about <laughs> but um but it was so serious that like you know with comedy you're kind of getting that confirmation it's a biological yeah. reaction that people laugh uh so getting none of that and i almost like couldn't do it i couldn't sit there and then like you know later on like whenever i did ethan and edna in we screened that in 2022 last year. Uh, I felt pretty good going into it. I felt confident. But then when we started getting those laughs early on in like the first scene, I was like, oh, okay, here we go. I feel good. Yeah. And then the rest of the way was just enjoying it. And then I have to admit, you know, last weekend we showed CAPTCHA and it was just all positive. I, I, I had also had the good fortune of like, I'd already had it on YouTube for a while and gotten a lot of positive reinforcement so i got to go into that one pretty confident you know that like i know that it works yeah um and then it was just like i hope they laugh and then (laughs) yeah we got all the laughs that we wanted and uh and then some really it was it was pretty awesome but um yeah it gets easier however i will say you know like even famous filmmakers now when they go do those test screenings like you don't have that confirmation yet that it yeah. works. And like, so yeah. And, and at that point it's like, this is, you know, a $13 million gamble yeah. or whatever it is. And if they don't like it, holy shit, I can't no imagine one, what that feels like. No one's laughing at my $13 million comedy. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I cannot imagine which like, you know, even in the last few years, there's been some comedies that were kind of duds, you know, and didn't really yeah. work. And yeah, terrifying. But like, yeah, 
it got easier for me. So like, I'm sure it would for you as well, but like, so how was it by the end of the, the, the play, like pretty nice, positive reception. It, so like you mentioned, comedy is nice because you get that reaction, right? Yeah. So even though I was sweating my ass off up top, like I said, mm-hmm. it's a lot. That's where most of the comedy comes from. It's like mm-hmm. kind of like the first, like third of the play. So yeah. people, people said it lasted in pretty early on. So yeah. I'm just like, cool. But yeah. knowing, knowing that there was a much more dramatic twist coming, mm-hmm. I was really sweating. Like, how are they going to take to that? Mm-hmm. You know, like, like, like that, that's what really like got me. Cause that, yeah. that, cause that also reminded me, like, like I said, um, when I went to school, I took film classes cause my communication track allowed me to, mm-hmm. there was no screenwriting stuff, but I yeah. did get to write in one class where I don't even remember what the class was for. It could have been for editing. It could have just been a general like filmmaking class. Right. But our final project, we had to like write and shoot something. Mm-hmm. And I I wrote this um like daily show um style segment. Like mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. news segment. Like and I but I scripted it. You know, it wasn't like improv or anything. I actually, I just scripted the whole thing. Yeah. And I remember that being like sitting there being really nervous, but then like people were laughing right away. And I was mm-hmm. like, this like saved the semester for me. <laughs> like yeah, like, like yeah. people actually laughing and enjoying this like thing, you know? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It Sometimes you need that or that really nice set of notes, you yeah. know, that are like, Oh my gosh, is I, okay. I can go another day. I can yeah, chase yeah. the stream another day. Um, you need that. And that's why, like, you know, Again, some people on this listening to this are newer writers. When you give notes, some, something I like to do that's pretty popular is the sandwich method where, you know, you say a nice thing they did yeah. and then you say something they could work on and then you finish with something nice that they did again. You sandwich that criticism. Uh, it's just a kind way to deliver criticism. Yeah. And like you'll you'll come to learn or you may have already found out that like that kindness really matters in this field yeah. because like, yeah, like you said, 99.99% rejection, it fucking sucks. And if we're going to tear anyone down in this world, it shouldn't be other screenwriters. Yeah. You know, we need to all be looking out for each other. That's exactly what I do. I literally start off with everything I enjoyed, everything I thought that I liked. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what could use some work? Yeah. And I think that's important too, right? Not like, oh, here's what sucks. Here, yeah. you idiot. You yeah. Know what I mean? No, it's like, yeah. It's like here, here's the what. Yeah. Here's, here's, here's where I got a little work, confused. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. also the mistake a lot of people make in giving notes is like you're not making notes to try to tell the writer how to tell their story. No. You know, because a lot of people, the worst notes will be like someone being like, "Well, this is how I will tell your story." Yeah. And here goes how I will tell it. No, yeah. right? You're just kind of like trying to. I don't know if crutch is the right word, but just trying to like help them tell the story in the way they want to, or at least you think how they want to, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. For sure. Yeah. And I think just cluing them into like, you know, as a reader uh, and, you know, if you're a screenwriter, like a keen reader, usually um, here's where you lost me or here's like where this didn't quite make sense to me. Because uh, those are the notes I love because then I'm like, okay, cool. A specific point where I can analyze this section now and yeah. be like, what's the detail I can add? Because sometimes it's just adding in a couple words to be like, uh, by the way, reminder of this thing that happened way earlier, you know, just 
adding that back in, you know, little yeah. things like that. Cause it's easy as the writer to be like, well, I remember when I'm on page 80, what I said on page 26, but it's like for readers, you know, you gotta, you gotta remind them sometimes and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Um, anyway, uh, but yeah, um, I love that. I love that. Uh, the whole play thing too. That's so cool. Thank you. Um, so we've reached the end and I want to know final question, Sam, what are a few words of advice that you would give to your fellow screenwriters out there, especially to those just getting started? Just a hit more on what I said earlier about like finding your own people to give you feedback and that you trust because I know, I know the people that I can send something to that are generally just going to like it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Who are generally just going to like it, maybe have a thought or two, but nothing too like deep, nothing too that pulls anything apart. Yep. You know, just generally that, um, that, ex- that excitement over like your new piece when there's nothing wrong with that. Cause I think we all need a little pat on the back, you know, yes. at, at yeah. times. Yep. Which honestly is how I feel about contests, to be honest. Like if you're entering a contest for a pat on the back, you know, like yeah. more power to you, get that pat on the back. Absolutely. But, uh, right. But like I think it's really, really important to have those people that 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 you trust because like you just don't get better, mm-hmm. you know, without it. At least most people, you know what I mean, just aren't gonna grow. I mean Mm-hmm. Quite honestly, you're probably just going to be up your own ass. <laughs> yeah, 100%. All time, yeah. you know? Yep. I will say, like, most everything up to this point, good that has happened to me. Obviously, I've done a shit ton of hard work. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I've mm-hmm. done a shit ton of hard work for years with writing. Mm-hmm. But I will say, like, a lot of the good things that have happened is because I've made really good friends. You know what I you know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. like really good, authentic like friendships who we're all like in this together, you yeah. know? Um mm-hmm. the other thing would be like the manager thing, right? Mm-hmm. Really important two things to know. And and I almost feel like maybe I can't say this because I just literally got a manager, right? Mm-hmm. Like literally just got a manager. Mm-hmm. But I have been doing so much legwork before my manager that Mm -hmm. like when you get a manager like your work doesn't stop you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. it's not Mm -hmm. just on your manager to go get you work right Mm -hmm. it's great to have somebody in your corner but like you have to do the legwork i mean i've had i've had staffing opportunities i've Mm -hmm. worked with producers you know Mm -hmm. that's before Mm -hmm. having a manager you know it's just not nice to not have it all but just be on me yeah you know because like getting those staffing opportunities it's like it's nice that like i've had i've at least been in the running for opportunity Mm -hmm. but like that's just me doing that like now it's nice to know that that my opportunities aren't so narrow you know now like having that rep opens it up but like it's still on you like i i will Mm -hmm. not stop doing all the shit that I've already been doing just because I now have like a rep, you know? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I can agree. I got my rep December of 2021. So I've been repped for a little bit now and I can totally agree that like, yeah, you still have to be out there hustling, chasing opportunities and like 
just hoping that your manager can open doors for you, which I've been lucky that, you know, that's been the case for me. But I also know people who, you know, it didn't work that way for them, you know, with uh, having a manager and they were actually doing a better job on their own. And that's not to say they'll yeah. never have another manager, but it's just that like, you know, managers are in the job of opening doors and opening opportunities for you, but you need to deliver the goods and also like, you know, your manager can't take your general meeting for you and make a yeah. producer like you, you know, and it's not, it's not a popularity contest, but you do need to enter general meetings with, you know, a, a kindness, a humbleness, yet confident, you know, in your abilities. And uh, I've had generals where I close my laptop, like, fuck, that went bad, <laughs> you know, like, cause I've done all mine on zoom so far. Cause you yeah. know, pandemic and everything. But um, I've had them where I'm like, geez, that just felt stale on my end, you know, and maybe our rapport wasn't that good. And I've also had some where I'm like, holy shit, I think that person genuinely is going to like hit me up to work together, you know, and like yeah. it's, you know, you, you got to your manager can't make that happen. And sadly, too, this is another thing that sucks for like more introverted writers is um, I feel like I'm an introvert who can play extrovert pretty well, but then I'm like just drained afterward. And uh, I would wonder if you're that way too, because you seem quite personable, but then you talked about being a quiet kid. I'm, I think like any writer, you do a lot of like self-analyzation. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. would have in the past been like, I'm an introvert, but, yeah. and I don't mean this to sound as sad as it does, because I actually, I laugh about it. Yeah. We all have trauma. Yes. And um I remember like meeting people for the first time on Zoom and within 10 minutes we had each other's like anxiety disorders like listed <laughs> in alphabetical order. Yeah. <laughs> but, um I'm pretty sure I might be an extrovert who like early trauma tried to like put into an introverted box. So mm. like so like I think now I'm like a bit of both. Like I can be very yeah. comfortable with people and do a little bit of like the bigger personality thing. But yeah. also, like, I can find that very exhausting and definitely be a lot more quiet and introverted yeah. and stuff. So interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can. Yeah, I can sort of. That's interesting thinking about being an extrovert who was put into an introverted box because of external factors. Yeah, uh, that just kind of like you just gave me some therapy. I was like, oh, my God, is that what I am? Uh, but yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, that's cool. And like, yeah. Uh, totally agree with everything you said. Uh, this has just been a blast talking and getting to know you. Yeah, the the literally, literally. Can I say one more thing? Yes, please. I, like a slight, a slight, almost like complaint too about like contest. Like, oh yeah, because I, I know, like for me, I thought you were gonna like, say about the podcast for a second. No. I was like, do it. Uh, this but anyway. podcast. I came on this podcast expecting it to be the Nerdist Writers Panel. Yeah, I know. I know. Fuck, man. I know. I'm still gonna sub in. I'm gonna cut that out. That advertisement. Yeah. Anyway. I, anyway, sorry I, about contests. It's all good. Um, it's really hard. It's really hard to not let anything like break you mm -hmm. as you're like trying to break in. It's really hard. And yeah. like I traditionally have never done well in contests. And mm -hmm. I know that is a reality for tons of working writers for who sure. have literally never done well in contests. I for remember sure. tweeting, tweeting something about that one day, and I think, I think it was the showrunner of The Handmaid's Tale who like chimed in and was like, oh, "I've never placed in contests before, you mm. know." So like contests are no measurement of work. Yeah, no, they're not. 
one of the reasons why I say like it's really important to find people you trust to give you feedback. Uh-huh. Fucking Andy, I swear. I will I am so done with submitting the contest that uh-huh. give free feedback. Oh like, yeah. I don't even know how many I, I experienced that did that. I well, I, I know of one it. very famous one that seems to get in trouble every fucking year and for the feedback they give. <laughs> I was one of the people a couple years ago who got wrapped up in that contest. Oh, oh racist bullshit. <laughs> I think I, re- man, it's you and a lot of people. So I can't remember specifically what it was, but yeah, uh-huh. I, 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 that's crazy. Yeah. And yeah. it's because it's like contests in general, right? You mm-hmm. never know who's reading your script. You never yep. know for whatever reason they might connect or not connect with it right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but then to get that feedback and it might be like racially coded it might Mm -hmm. just be like completely Mm non-actionable it has served to like i I used to get so angry Mm because you you pay money right you 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 get that rejection bad feedback almost feels like a slap in the face Mm -hmm. and and another thing is i will say like so this producer that I quasi like have a, a little relationship with, mm-hmm. we were actually supposed to meet up a little bit to chat before the the strike happened. Mm-hmm. But um, but like I met her in 2020, back when there were tons of like online initiatives for like black people, right? Mm-hmm. Because it was after George Floyd and everything. Yeah. I guess my question is, where are all those initiatives now? But yeah. but it <laughs> right. was like a re it was like a re black writers thing, and I got paired yeah. up with her. Yeah, and and I always felt like this speaks to a good reader, right, or somebody who might connect or not connect with your writing. So like so our arrangement and that whole initiative was like for me to send her a script, and then she gives me thoughts on it, mm-hmm. and that's that that was just supposed to be it. You know, like that yeah. that's like the the extent of that. Mm-hmm. So I sent her one of my pilots. And then we do a Zoom, and she did not like it at all. She she did not like it at all. Mm. But I loved I loved what she said. She didn't connect with like the tone of it because mm. she wasn't like kind of like a comedy person. And that particular <clears throat> script it's an hour long, but mm. it's almost in the tone of like Poker Face, you know, uh-huh. where 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 it does can be a lot more like high higher reality high in reality and funny and stuff like that for sure and she, she was just was like nope does not work for me and we had like a great like hour-long chat and everything mm-hmm. more than just the script but but what what was so great about it and what i valued so much about her was like that she liked the writing mm-hmm. she liked the writing itself so even though the script was like a big old f for her premise mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. plot like all of it she was just not into it wow she still allowed me to send her something else mm-hmm. and i knew i had a sample that was closer to her sensibilities. yeah you know and it yep. was like that sample that then continued our relationship a little bit more you know mm-hmm. what i mean because that was yep. that sample where it was like the writing plus the actual like script <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that she yep. liked you just you never know how your work is going to connect with literally anybody. Mm-hmm. They might literally hate your script, but still connect with you. Might yeah. still might see something like in the writing, you know? So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all a mind fuck, right? I mean, yeah, that's, that's it's, it's just a mind fuck. <laughs> it's a gauntlet. Yeah. Like, you know, don't get too high or low on anything. 
that's something I've really learned. I just try to keep like a baseline yeah. flat line, uh, even when really good things are happening. Like last night, I'm just like, you know, something's going to happen soon. That's not going to be great. And uh, I just need to be ready for it. I don't know. It's just, you know, you try not to get too high or low, but, um, but do celebrate your wins. I, I will say that, you know, like last night we celebrated, we had fun, but um, I'm, I'm always trying to keep it even keel. Uh, yeah. whereas like, you know, my first set of positive notes I got from a contest was screencraft, uh, drama. And I was fucking over the moon, you know, like just, this is so good. And then the very next round I didn't make the semis and I got awful feedback that was like, this Ooh. is not good. So I learned pretty early on about that, but like, yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, contests are not an end all be all uh enter them you know try to try to see where you're stacking up and everything but just know that like you know i think of like a script like a a quiet place was um i think it was like a 40 page script in the beginning before john krasinski got it and um it was a 40 page feature and that would have done terribly it probably would have been rejected right off the bat from contests and uh, went on to be what you know, two hundred and sixty million dollar movie, probably more than great that. Movie. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it's a great movie as well. And um, so you know, who you never know. This is art we're talking about. It's exactly. not like it's again like you talked about math and accounting earlier. We're not messing with numbers yeah. as much as box office and shit might want you to believe that. Yeah, it's art, and you just never know. No one knew the Blair Witch Project was going to be what it is. Uh-huh. Ma- magical negro one was a winner in that contest mm-hmm. and then like made quarterfinals in a different contest but like mm-hmm. that's where it ended yeah yeah <laughs> it didn't yeah. go any further than that right but also yeah. like script like is probably mainly responsible for me having a manager you know what i mean and still got rejected right. so like doesn't matter <laughs> yeah no totally uh, uh one contest that i submitted to um I made the quarterfinals, but didn't go any further. And then when the contest was ended, like three months later, uh, my quarterfinal, my quarterfinalist round reader reached out and was like, Hey, you know, I like, you know, I'm a writer in LA and I read for that contest and I've loved your script. We should hop on a zoom. And I just want to like, see if I can help you in any way. So that kind of shit happens too, you know, that like yeah. some, he was like, legally, I couldn't reach out contractually until the contest ended. But um, but I didn't forget. And so yeah. that kind of stuff happens too. You just you never know where help's gonna come from. Put your work out there and you know, just exactly see yeah. what happens. But um, but yeah, anyway, before I take your whole afternoon from you, uh, <laughs> this was great and uh, it was super fun getting to know you and uh thank you for coming on. Nah, thanks for having me, man. It was it was great finally getting to know you too and everything. Like I said, I see you all the time on Twitter, obviously. Yeah. So it was it was cool to, to to this chat all right y'all episode 35 is in the books i want to thank sam watson for coming on the show at the beginning of august even though it's now the end of august and this is just coming out which maybe isn't as bad as some podcasts but i'm usually like you know a week or two i get it out usually a week i try to get it out in a week after recording but um sam came at the time the intersection in my life of making a new short film and getting covid for the first time very interesting time in my life this august of 2023 um but if you like the episode guys go ahead and give us a shout on instagram or twitter tag me up at social writer pod or you can just tag tag andy compton underscore whatever you want to do 
Um, but I'm always trying to get word out about the podcast. I really appreciate you guys listening and all of the shout outs and stuff like that definitely helped me just keep getting the word out. Um, that's really it guys. If you, if you want to donate, like I said, at the top of the episode, if you feel so inclined to donate, I am broke because I spent all my money on my last short film. I went over budget. I should, when you're making the movie, it's like, well, we got to make it. So I just, you know, I spent more than I should have. But if you want to donate, if you have the 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 ability to donate, uh, you can go to the at social writer pod Twitter or Instagram account and go to the bo- link in bio to Linktree. There's a link to a PayPal account that you can donate to. If you want to, great. If not, that's all good. I hope you keep listening and enjoying the show anyway. Um, that's about it, guys. I am, like I said, you know, I'm already in pre-production on a new thing. I'm still in post on the one we shot at the end of June called Us Plus One. Now I'm in post on Phantasmic, which I won't be editing, so that's kind of a load off. And then, uh, but I'm still going to be in the edit bay all the time, you know, working with an editor. And then, uh, nonstop in... October at the end of October and in September my good friend Zach Zanders who shot CAPTCHA he first AD'd my last project and uh we're gonna co-direct non-stop in October he's shooting a film next month called Burnt so yeah a lot going on in these months uh up until October after October I'm just gonna sleep all of November except I'll wake up Thanksgiving day and eat and then go back to bed I'm gonna like Grandpa Joe that shit and i can't wait it's gonna be glorious but i'll still be in post on all these short films but appreciate you guys like still listening even though the episodes haven't been as consistent lately i want to change that but i'm just busy and um i know everyone's busy uh also shout out to the writers and shout out to the actors and sag and the wga still fighting for a fair deal with the amptp Uh, The news as of now is that they went back to the table and the AMPTP started to answer some of their proposals, started to have some counter proposals, but they didn't go far enough. And then I guess they called the WGA in for one more meeting with like the top five CEOs. And it was more of a lecture about how they need to take the deal, which is goofy. Um, but I'm glad the WGA didn't cave and I'm glad the WGA seems like they're really standing 10 toes down on their proposals. Like, you know, uh, you know, earmuffs for children, you know, fuck you. Uh, we're not doing that. We're not taking anything less. And I really appreciate that as someone who has aspirations of being in the WGA that like, you know, we want to walk into a healthy situation. Those of us who aren't yet in it, everyone who is already in the WGA, they want a healthy ecosystem in which to work. So it all makes sense. Um, but yeah, anyway, shout out to them. Shout out to everyone fighting the good fight. Uh, it's appreciated more than you know, even from this guy in St. Louis, Missouri. That's all I got for you guys. Um, I hope everyone is having a good uh, day, week, month, and even your year. Um, that's Friends. That's the Friends theme song. I hope you guys are having a great time out there. And uh, uh, I hope you stay healthy, um, stay happy, find ways to be happy. It's hard out here. Life is tough. Um, life is tough. Get a helmet. No, I'm just kidding. That's insensitive. Uh, life is tough. And I hope you're getting all the friends, family, you know, company, uh, doing things that you love in your life to maintain happiness. Cause it's, it's brutal. 
that's it, guys. Uh, have a good day, week, month, and even your year. Bye. Oh, wait, how do I say it? Uh, bye-bye. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social